Hey church family, welcome back to another Leroy UMC podcast. We're back with a short series titled Giving It Away. Now worry is one of the greatest things that keeps us from living as we were meant to, freely and generously. It's in times like these that we are most tempted to become slaves to our financial fears. We begin making all our decisions and focusing all our attention on it. That's the real power of money. It has a real force, or mammon, that can draw all our attention and concern. The secret to not living in worry as a servant of mammon is to reevaluate your priorities, seek first the kingdom, and to give ourselves to God as we commit to giving to God. Let's send it over to Pastor Matthias. Amen. Well, friends, this morning as we uh, head into a new month, we are starting a new worship series together. Uh, it will be a little bit shorter than uh, the typical worship series, just two Sundays, and then we've got uh, Worship Without Walls. But our new series is called uh, Giving It Away, and the basic idea is that we are going to take a look this Sunday and next Sunday at what Scripture has to say about money, about finances. Uh, and we're taking a look at that because we don't just live in divided and kind of polarizing times, as we've been talking about all September and August, but we also live in you know, financially uncertain times. There's lots of difficult headlines that we all see every week, lots of concerns uh, about what tomorrow might bring, and the goal of well, hopefully the goal of worship is we can always see what Scripture has to say to us, to what we are going through, whatever issues are on our minds. Uh, so we are taking a look at what uh, Christ, uh, his teachings uh, on finances and on money, that actually comes right out of the Sermon on the Mount. It's actually a giant chunk of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and it's, it's a little bit of a long reading, but it's, I guess it, it's great to hear it kind of in total. It all flows together, even though our English Bibles try and break it up. Uh, but Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Friends, listen now for the word of the Lord. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. And no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? 
Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, for the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love that last verse. I'm going to read it again. That should be on a plaque uh, in every office. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever, says the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our refuge. Amen. I am worried, and every day I see reasons to be. I am a new father, as evidenced by the fact that folks sometimes rush to the front of the sanctuary after the blessing. Methodists coming to the front, it is a miracle. Uh, (laughs) But I am a new dad, uh, which means that for the very first time, Emma and I have been meeting with a financial advisor about setting up a 529 college plan. We've been signing up for daycare and assessing different costs, buying more groceries, diapers and wipes, and all sorts of new items, recalculating our budget for new expenses we've never had before. And at the exact same time that we are doing all of this, every day I see news headlines that tell me to worry about tomorrow. I see stories about how the Dow or the NASDAQ has hit some new record low, about uncontrollable inflation and drastic rate hikes meant to stop it, about supply shortages, about low employment, increased risk, financial insecurity. And when I see those headlines, sometimes I am worried. And I know that I am not the only one. I saw a recent study by Gallup poll that found 40% of Americans worry about paying their monthly bills right now. 52%, more than half of us, worry about maintaining the standard of living that we're used to. And 63% of us are worried about making enough to retire or to stay retired, to not have to go back to work. I am worried about money, and it seems that many people, many of you maybe, are worried with me. And while it can be 
healthy to worry a little bit. It's healthy to think about the things that affect us, affect our families, affect our future. The problem with worry sometimes, and the real danger of times like this, is that sometimes it's the things we worry about that speak to the God we serve. That's what's so interesting, so special about that famous passage from the Sermon on the Mount, and especially verse 24. We've been talking in our uh, Greek Bible study that meets Sundays at 4 o'clock, if I can put in a shameless plug. Uh, We've been talking in our Greek Bible study um, about how the New Testament was originally written in Greek, but how Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, probably spoke in Aramaic day to day. Aramaic was a more local, regional language that simple, ordinary folks in Galilee would have understood, while Greek was the more universal language that people anywhere could understand, wherever the gospel might go. That's always something that's really interesting to think about. The gospels are, by their nature, a translation. However, sometimes... The gospel writers, when they were putting everything together, sometimes the gospel writers would go out of their way to preserve a certain phrase or a certain word in the original Aramaic as Jesus spoke it. Maybe the most famous example that we all hear every Easter season uh, is when Jesus cries out from the cross in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That Eloi, Eloi, that's Aramaic that Matthew has chosen to preserve, and then he has to tell his Greek-speaking audience what it means. And when Matthew recorded Jesus' teachings about money in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew thought, that it was important to preserve one very essential Aramaic word that Jesus uses in verse 24, mammon. You cannot serve both God and mammon. It's how that original verse would have read. And while some of our English Bibles will just go ahead and translate mammon as wealth or riches or money, there's all kinds of options, In the Aramaic, Jesus used mammon because it wasn't so much a word so much as it was a name. In Aramaic, mammon doesn't just mean money or wealth or riches, but it symbolized the personification of wealth. It's like hearing someone talk about the almighty dollar today, mammon was a word that was meant to make you think not just about dollars and cents, but about the very real power that money has, the force and control that money exerts, and the way that money can sometimes influence, control us, determine our actions, shape our values, almost like a God. In other words, when Jesus talks about God and money, about finances, he doesn't just talk about God and some thing. 
he talks about two different masters, two different lords with different priorities for us, different commands, different visions about how we are supposed to live, and worry is one of mammon's most essential priorities. That's actually what Jesus is getting at when he then goes on to talk about the eye being the lamp of the body. That always seems like such a strange passage to work into the middle of a section about finances, but it's actually a very powerful point. In the ancient world, many people thought that our eyes didn't just receive light. We didn't just detect or perceive light, but in the ancient world, the thinking was that our eyes projected light. All the different things we see, in a real way, we're creating as we focus on them. In other words, in the ancient world, your life was, in a very real way, created and shaped and influenced by whatever it is that you chose to cast your gaze on. Whatever you focused on and worried about showed the world you were creating for yourself and the life that you were building. As Thomas Long puts it best in his commentary on this passage, the decision of whether to store up treasures on earth or treasures in heaven is not one of mere financial planning. It is one of basic orientation. It is a question of vision and freedom. What a person sees and what holds a person captive. What we focus our mind's eye on shapes who we are and what we serve. And God did not give us life so we could crawl day to day living in the paralyzing fear of tomorrow or laying awake at night obsessing over finances and what will happen next. We were not born to be anxious servants of mammon. So the real question is, how do we let go of mammon's worry in a world that is nothing but worried? How do we let go of worry when every single day we see all kinds of reasons to be? And contrary to the way that this passage is sometimes read or sometimes interpreted, the solution to living without being afraid or overcome by worry isn't to acquire enough money that we have peace of mind. Money is, well, money can always come and go. Mammon has nothing but the illusion of security to give us. And the solution isn't to just adopt a carefree, happy-go-lucky outlook either. Jesus doesn't point to the lilies of the field and the birds of the air in order to tell us that we can go frolic without a care in the world. And the solution isn't to not plan or to not bother about our finances either. Jesus saying, do not worry about tomorrow, is not supposed to be an excuse to not study for that test or prepare for that job interview or prepare for harvest or meet with a financial planner. 
No, this passage isn't about getting enough, isn't about never caring, isn't about never planning, but this passage is about remembering that what we give our time, our attention, and our money to is what we give our heart to. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's not a metaphor. That is a very literal observation that Christ makes. What we worship isn't determined by what we say we believe in, but by the events on our calendar that we refuse to cancel for any reason, and by the expenses that keep showing up on our bank statements. And while some preachers have taken that as an ominous warning, I've heard a couple sermons on this that were almost like a threat, and the message was, repent and check your credit card statement. The incredible good news behind that passage, the good news behind the fact that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, is that that means we have a very real, very tangible, very concrete way to give ourselves little by little to God and to give mammon away. Generosity is not always the most popular spiritual discipline to talk about or to hear about. And if I'm being honest, I never enjoy talking about money in church. We live in a culture that says, my money is my business. But all throughout the Gospels, Christ never stops talking about money. He keeps circling back to it again and again in all four Gospels and keeps talking about what to do with it. He doesn't leave it as something for us to just figure out on our own because while mammon and our consumer world might make money into something private that quietly takes away our peace of mind in the hands of Jesus Christ, Generosity is supposed to be a life-giving discipline. And that isn't just wishful thinking. That's, that's something we were made for, something we were built for. I saw a study that was published recently in Psychosomatic Medicine, a magazine that goes way over my head. But I saw a study that was published that found that when people gave to targeted charities and missions, the part of the brain that is most linked with anxiety and anxiety attacks and fear, the amygdala, actually calmed down that specific part while feelings of joy, peace, and significance increased. We were quite literally made by our maker to live more joyful lives when we are generous in some way. But more than just feeling good, being generous is a discipline that changes the way we see the world around us. As Fred Craddock points out in this passage when Jesus talks about how your eye is the lamp of the body, He's actually playing with the idea of the evil eye from Jewish literature. 
In Jewish literature, the evil eye meant to view the world with a vision of scarcity, to look around and focus on not having enough for that next big purchase that might finally make me happy, or to be fixated on how much more we need before we'll feel secure, while having a good eye, an eye full of light, meant seeing the world with a vision of generosity, looking for great causes that we get to be a part of and support, looking for people who could use a hand in all the ways we get to help them up, looking for the impact that we can have today instead of living in fear about what tomorrow might bring from the peace that it can fill anxious minds with, to the new way of looking at the world that it gives us, to the weekly reminder it offers us about what God we truly serve, giving is how we give away the world that cannot add a single hour to our life, and how we give ourselves to a God who always invites us to seek the things that matter first and trust that tomorrow will worry about tomorrow because God will still be there and will still be with us tomorrow, whatever tomorrow brings. So I will admit, I am worried sometimes. Every day I see new reasons that I should be worried about James's college fund, about grocery bills, about rising gas prices, rising house prices. Every day I see reasons to keep my treasure close and to keep my eye fixed on it. And I am not the only one. But... That's why one of the most important things that I personally have to keep on doing each week when I come to worship is give. That's why I have an automatic donation thing. I somehow figured out how to make it work. I have an automatic donation set up every Sunday morning. That's why an offering time has been part of Christian worship since the very beginning. I still struggle to get my head around that sometimes. We've had an offering time as long as we've had the Eucharist and communion because it's part of worship because, well, not because the church needs you to give, but because you need you to give to something that is greater than yourself. We're not meant to need to give everything. We're not supposed to sacrifice it all. We do have families to support and bills to pay and a future to be responsible responsible about, and those things do matter. But it's times like these when we're most at risk of getting caught up in all those terrifying what-ifs and worries about the world and about tomorrow, it's times like these when we most need to find some cause, some ministry, something beautiful to make ourselves a part of, to get swept up in and to support in real ways. 
It doesn't always have to be the church. We are grateful for any and all support, and hopefully we're always telling you all the incredible things that we are up to and do with that support. But whether it's here or somewhere else, we all need to find causes worthy of giving to because we all need to find little ways every week of giving mammon's fear and worry away and of giving ourselves to God. In the end, the things we worry about often show the God that we serve. But the good news is that no matter what headlines we see, what fears we carry or what we feel or what tomorrow brings in a world full of people living in worry about tomorrow's money. Christ helps us live in the freedom of today's new life. And may we always be willing to give ourselves to that life. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please pray with me. Holy God, when tomorrow seems uncertain, when our wants are only growing, and when we cannot help but worry, may you come and remind us that life is not measured by what we earn, but by what we give away. May you teach us that you do not give us life as a task to achieve. You give us life as a gift to receive. And may you help us spend all that we are and all that we have for your kingdom and your tomorrow. Christ, help us to see the things that matter in a world full of things that do not and give us the courage to step out, to take a chance, and to give ourselves away and to be used up by miraculous ministries and amazing stories. Lord, let us find you as we lose ourselves and find peace as we let go of all but you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you are blessed and that you are a blessing. Go in peace.